Hello and welcome to Cinema to the Letter. This episode, it's the egregious film known as Van Helsing. On Cinema to the Letter, we break down the very nature of cinema letter by letter. For each episode of a film miniseries topic, we cover six films that fit a C for a classic, I for an indie, N for new, E for egregious, M for masterpiece, and A for atypical. Who doesn't love an acronym, am I right? I am Thomas, and I have no heart! I have no soul! Um, I was gonna do that one. Oh, um, okay. Hi, I'm Brian, and my children live. Perfect. Beautiful. Is that the, did, was that is? Did you do the one that he does at the beginning, where he does like the whole like monologue? Is that what that's from? That's from the bit when he talks to the two brides who are just like, oh, they uh, they might they've died. It's like, no, oh, but your children. Do you have no heart? He has no heart. Of course was, he doesn't. I wanted to do in like the the opening the black and white section he does like the monologue where he ends it when he's like i am hollow <laughs> <laughs> i think we can both say this right now before we even get into the movie officially richard roxburgh mvp <laughs> what <Amazing>. a performance <laughs> wonderful performance we need to talk about him truly a, a goat dracula <laughs> <laughs> the best dracula like fuck yeah. bill lugosi gary oldman <laughs> all just terrible yeah. You can't compete with this Dracula. Uh, but welcome, everyone, to Cinema to the Letter. You know, for every miniseries that we're planning on doing, uh, we have a spot reserved for that E for Egregious, because, you know, with the history of this feed, when I did Double Edge, Double Bill, I covered a bad movie every single week we did that show, and that became so exhausting. But I still wanted to cover at least one bad movie in a miniseries, and we kind of agreed on it. Like, it's, you know, as much as we love movies... It's fun to talk about a bad movie when it's at least interesting. Yeah, especially this movie. This is an interesting movie <laughs> in yes, a lot of ways. Yes, yes. Uh, but what do you think like makes for a bad blockbuster? We're in our blockbuster miniseries here, and that's why we're covering Van Helsing. So what exactly like f- makes a bad blockbuster, in your opinion? Is it like, one specific mode? Is it different things? What, what's crucial for a blockbuster to be bad to you? There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. I think as we get like especially with this movie, I think bad CGI is such a like, you know, such a, a hallmark of a bad blockbuster. The tone that this movie has and the vibe that it has and like its 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 jokes and its humor is so just kind of reeks of that like bad blockbuster that like I mean, the writing in this movie is so... I wrote down some some really great lines that I thought were really funny. But I think that, like... Especially cements it as, like, of this time, of the early 2000s. I think those things really are indicators of how... Of a bad blockbuster in, in during this time. Yeah. But I think even as time has progressed, I think there's been different flavors of, like, a bad blockbuster. Where I'll give you right now... I think the, the 
franchise that best describes sort of like the downfall of the modern blockbuster to me is Men in Black. Um, I love the original Men in Black so much. I've talked about it on this feed various times. Um, And then Men in Black 2 is like the key example of a sequel. I just sort of blockbuster where it's like, let's just do everything we did previously and have like very vague changes, but not really anything substantial. And then Men in Black 3, which is like fine, but I think it's like the epitome to me of a forgettable blockbuster. Um, where there's like there's fun stuff in there. I also have some big problems, particularly the ending of that movie. But that one at least feels like the most indicative of, especially that like that 2012 era. Like, oh, whatever. This is like fine. It's not terrible, but I'm not going to remember it very much. And then Men in Black International, which is like the epitome of everything I hate about like a modern blockbuster sort of reboot thing, where it's like we're going to kind of have some of the iconography, but also we're going to change things up in a way that feels like several different script drafts and put you some talented people and give them little to do, and then also have. An entire character, in that case, it's the Kumail Nanjani uh, alien guy, who just feels like this was added in, like, a month before this movie came out. <laughs> and, like, this barely has anything to do with anything that's going on. Yeah, I, I will say, I, like, Men in Black was, a, like, a weird, like, the first and second movie, at least. I, like, I grew up, like, it was on TV all the time. I have yes. never seen the full, like, fully Men in Black 2 or 3 but I, maybe I should maybe I should go back. I've heard I've heard how like notoriously bad Men in Black Two is, so I've never seen it. But maybe I should should dive into that. Notice he did not say international. I don't blame you for saying no. I have not. I'm gonna be honest. You said Men in Black Two and Three, and I was like, yeah, that's the that's the only ones they made, right? And then I remembered that International was like a real movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep, a real movie that they spent money on. Yeah, directed by F. Gary Gray, right? <laughs> Right, that's true. And I, I'll say this also, at least with those three movies, those are all examples where they're all bad movies, but the various ways they go wrong, and especially the production stuff on those movies is fascinating to talk about. And sadly with this movie, I couldn't find much. I, I put together notes, everybody, for like the show, some show notes, and I tried to find production stuff, but this definitely feels like a movie, Van Helsing, 2004, that like... They want you to forget about it. <laughs> like, no, that didn't happen. What are you talking about? We didn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is such a like instantly, almost like in one year out the other type of movie. And there, there are a lot of things I like about this movie. I will say, like while watching it, I found a lot of because I this was when I this was the only movie that we are covering in this in this uh, like a season or, or whatever. Um, that I hadn't seen, um, right. and, and so while watching it, I, there's parts I like about it, but as a whole, I mean, there's a reason why we're talking about this in the egregious yeah. section. We'll, we'll talk about it for sure. So let's uh, let's have the trailer play now for Van Helsing. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. My life, my job, my curse. Mr. Vanquish Evil. It is a place where nightmares come to life. He's the first one to kill a vampire in over a hundred years. I'd say that sent him a drink. Now, a man without a past. Do you have any family, Mr. Van Helsing? I hope to find out someday. It's what keeps me going. Will face an enemy that never dies and uncover a secret he never imagined. Castle Dracula. Hello, Gabriel. We have such history, you and I. 
How do you know me? From the director of The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. Oh my God. Hugh Jackman. Kate Beckinsale. How do I kill him? No one knows how to kill Dracula. If you're late, run like hell. Don't be late. Van Helsing, a film by Stephen Summers. So Van Helsing came out May 7th, 2004, kicking off the summer movie season. Yeah, great start to the summer. <laughs> yep, for sure. Um, from writer-director Stephen Summers, who was an interesting name in terms of especially like the blockbuster sphere, because uh, Stephen Summers before this probably most famously had directed the two Mummy films with Brendan Fraser. Um, you know, a universal production that involved them taking some characters they had used in the past in the old Universal Monster era and doing a new version of it, and it was you know it was really fun. The the, the yeah, yeah. Brendan Fraser one, and especially I say this as someone who does not have like intense nostalgia for it. I watched it for the first time right before the Tom Cruise Mummy came out. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I watched it for the yeah. first time like uh, last year, I guess, while Brendan was having his whole like awards run for playing right uh, the whale. Pyacon from Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> That's what he won that for. That's what's engraved on God. That. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I never really had, like, any nostalgia for the, for the Mummy. It reminded me of, like, the National Treasure kind of movies, where it's, like, people kind of like them in, like, a novelty kind of way. But then I watched it, and I was like, this thing fucking rules. And, like, Fraser and Rachel Weisz have the greatest chemistry that anyone's ever had in a, in mm-hmm. a movie. Um, <laughs> yes. And like you know, visually, I think that movie look looks really great. I would posit I think the Mummy is like of the various attempts people have done since 1981 to do an Indiana Jones ripoff. It is like the best one, easily. Yes, yeah, 100. percent The Mummy and the Mummy Returns, which I you don't like. <laughs> no, I don't. I do not like that movie. No. <laughs> I just watched it like for the first time uh, for this because you know we're talking we're talking summers. It's a summer. It's a summer's summer. Um, summer movie season. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, even like yeah, I think that that movie has a lot of fun elements to it as well. I mean, it's no Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Like that is like the bottom that, of the barrel. Yeah, that one I have not seen yet. I, I might dig into it, but I'm I'm not sure I want to. <laughs> Yeah, especially because, you know, that one was not directed by Summers, and even as much as I do not like The Mummy Returns that much, you miss it immediately, the moment, like, frame one of Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, right down to, I'm sure he would have done a much better job of shooting a fight scene between Jet Li and Michelle Yeoh, sounds great, right? But Rob Cohen cuts it to shit, it's bad. Yeah, and, like, Summers is a... a pretty good director i think i mean he's he's not he's pretty good he knows where to put the camera but i don't think he's a good writer is the problem Mm -hmm. i think um because he gets solo writing and directing credits on on van helsing right which is kind of crazy because i you know you, you always figure with like these really major like what did this movie cost like 150 160 uh this movie had a budget of a hundred and seventy million dollars. That's a lot of money, <laughs> and it made yeah. three hundred million, which I think makes it Jesus. like the key example of one of these movies where, like, when this had come, I should mention like my history with Van Helsing yeah. is that I saw this in the theater because keep in mind I would have been twelve. So in theory, 
the perfect audience for this movie. Right, yeah. <laughs> Especially at that point, I'm like not as much in my scaredy pants mode. I'm actually like getting into horror movies. So I'm like, oh, a horror action movie starring Wolverine? This has got to be dope. Um, and that was a very, not the first, but one of the early examples of like, oh yeah, movies can be bad. And it's really <laughs> rough. Um, but but yeah, because like to go back a bit to Summers, I, I should note I watched a bunch of Stephen Summers movies, including ones right. I hadn't seen before. Like earlier today, I was watching a couple, and he I do agree with you. I think he's a very good director, especially at like kind of like boilerplate sort of like fun action, like blockbuster stuff. Because um, his first movie is Catch Me If You Can. No. Not yeah, I was really not confused when I saw that on his IMDb page. No, um, it's not at all about the Frag Abagnale story. It's actually a high school movie that takes place in the 80s, but it's very nostalgic for like drift race movies from before um, in the oh, 50s. Okay. It's very much a 80s nostalgic for the 50s movie. And there's a lot of fun stuff in it where like the premise is the bad boy in school does drag racing and the preppy like um, <laughs> high school like person who like runs the committee to like try and save the school because it's going to be closed down. He like instead of detention, the principal puts him into that, and the two of them like bicker with each other. They don't like each other very much, and then he's like, you know what? I know how we can save the school. Let's bid on a race. And so they take all the money that they've like donated for the school, gone from various people to do a drag race, bet it on him. Uh, he loses that race, and then they go back to M. Emmett Walsh, who plays the guy who, like, runs the oh, whole thing. Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, you know what, fine, yeah, you want double or nothing? Sure, I'll do it. And the drag racing's fun. There's a lot of, like, fun back and forth that feels very reminiscent of, like, the uh, Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weisz sort of back and forth, like, an early example of it. And it's, like, a solid, like, low-budget movie, which is why I get how from here he did stuff like The Adventures of Huck Finn starring baby Elijah Wood. And then uh, the Jungle Book, the initial Jungle Book from 94. Uh, right, which is still Disney-produced, right? Both of those are Disney-produced. Okay. Um, yeah, so they kind of bring him in to do like some solid B-level stuff. Um, uh, watching both of those, uh, the Jungle Book is interesting in that it's like, it's more of a Tarzan movie. Oh, right, because the kid's grown up. Right, yes. They, they grow him up. Um, he's played by Jason Scott Lee. You know, he goes back to society, and they train him to like speak English. You know, it's Tarzan. But the big thing is they had actual real animals for the most part. There's, like, barely any, like, animatronics. And so it's a lot of situations where you're kind of like, oh, did, did a nope happen? And Disney covered that up. There's, like, 50-something different animals that show up there. Jesus. Um, and are ma- interacting a lot with, like, the main cast and everything. Um, it's an interesting movie. Huck Finn is very much, um, it's an adaptation of the Mark Twain novel from the 90s. So... It's a lot of just, like, we kind of solved racism. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if you did that. I don't know if Huckleberry Finn, Elijah Wood, and Courtney B. Vance, Jim, like, really solved race <laughs> relations here in the middle of all this. Um, then he does um, a movie I really love, Deep Rising, which is, like, I told you about this. I don't know if you saw it. I, I didn't have a chance to see it, but I'll, I'll probably end up seeing it after this. Basic pitch, just, uh, it's about this group of, like, uh, you know, seafaring thievers, kind of like pirates, but in like the modern day. Uh, yeah. pl- the lead played by the late great Treat Williams, who's awesome. Um, and they like, oh, we're, there's a big cruiser out here in the middle of the ocean. We're going to jump on board and try and like, you know, steal stuff from all these rich people. Uh, turns out there's like a horrible giant tentacle monster on that boat. <laughs> Hell yeah. Real fun movie. So good. 
would recommend that to anybody out there. But then, yeah, then The Mummy, Mummy Returns, our Van Helsing, as we'll be covering in detail. Um, then the first G.I. Joe movie, a live-action G.I. Joe movie, Rise yep, of Cobra. the Rise of Cobra. Right. Um, and then um, a movie called Odd Thomas. Never heard of this in my life. <laughs> I, I did also watch this, and as a fellow oh. Odd Thomas, it's uh, not that great, unfortunately. It does star the late, great Anton Yelchin, who I yes. miss so much. Yeah, this came out in th- 2013. Willem Dafoe's in it? Yep. Um, he plays, um, like, the basically the second lead of the movie, um, who you wish was in the movie more than the love interest, who is rough. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not great. I don't know. But the point is, uh, that's his last movie that was ten years ago. So, a very sort of truncated directorial career, even though he's got producer credits on, like, The Scorpion King or The Scorpion King sequels, the fucking four of them that have come out. <laughs> um, but but anyway, so um, I do agree with you that I think he's a much better director than he is a writer, necessarily, but at the same time, you notice, I think, a big shift. I think it's, a, like, post The Mummy, where there's great digital effects in The Mummy, there's also great practical effects in The Mummy, yeah. but... He's doing, like, the meme where the guy's walking with the girl and there's the looking at the other girl. But it's, like, big CGI and, like, the shocked one is holding... He's holding hands with his, like, practical effects. Because, yeah. like, he gradually stops using... Well, it doesn't stop. There, there's practical elements even in this movie. But um, they are obfuscated quite a bit by the CG. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, like... And the mummy feels like... The first mummy feels like such a great, like kind of marriage of practical and CGI in a way where like the CGI that is used in that movie is, you know, it it is like kind of that nineties, two thousands CGI, but yeah, the the practical elements of that movie, just like the sets, the production design and everything is, is really incredible. And I like some of the like sets in this. I mean, like in Van Helsing and in, even in the mummy returns, the production design and also the costume design. Yes. Yeah. But yes, there is like a, a more of a reliance on CGI that I don't think the movie's all the better for. And like, it's funny because like you watch The Mummy and yeah, the CGI has like aged, but you know, because of the practical elements, it still looks good. I Watching Van Helsing, it was like so many of it has just not aged well. <laughs> no, no. Um, but you know, um, how about we give a plot synopsis? For this sure. movie, in case, you know, this is a long-forgotten movie in many ways to a lot of people. I don't blame you. Um, but uh, <laughs> Van Helsing uh, stars the titular um, Gabriel Van Helsing, not Abraham, as he usually is, uh, played by Hugh Jackman, um, who in this universe is a guy that still hunts around monsters because he was in the original Dracula book. He was the guy that, like, killed Dracula in the original Bram Stoker novel and has been featured in various different media as, like, basically Dracula's nemesis. And so in this case, um, he hunts a bunch of monsters and his alliance is with uh, this weird secret society that meets out of the Vatican, um, yeah. who are like, you need to kill evil, um, as we see at the opening of this, uh, which has him chasing down uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which I want to put a pause here because I also watched this, uh, another thing that dates this movie firmly in like 2004, um, this had an animated short film prequel that was released on okay. DVD. Um, it, very similar to like Chronicles of Riddick had this, the Hellboy movies had this, like oh, basically sure, movies sure. that were trying to appeal to dorks, 
were like, hey, here's an animated like 30 minute prequel that tells you the story of like what happens right before. And that it's about like him chasing down Mr. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll. But he doesn't know that Mr. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll are the same guy yet. That little short, it's like, it's fine. It's like TV animation, basically. But the premise is way more interesting, where he's hunting down Mr. Hyde because Mr. Hyde is, like, stealing souls out of people in London. And they make it explicitly like, oh, he's what people call Jack the Ripper. Which this movie kind of hints at at the beginning. Oh, but then does, does nothing it? with. <sighs> yeah. I, I felt that. Because you see, like, the hat and the coat that he finds and whatever. Oh, sure, 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 yeah. But yeah, they yeah. make that way more explicit in this animated short. And the reason he's like catching souls is so Dr. Jekyll can feed this to Queen Victoria. <laughs> and okay. when she drinks it, she becomes younger. And then she also forgets that she's like, you know, seven years old. She just goes back mentally to like 20. And old ass Dr. Jekyll is like, I will keep you young and healthy forever if I become king of England. <laughs> That's amazing. That sounds Why really great. Why isn't that a movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds so much more interesting than what actually happens here. Because, like, they treat him, they treat that section like, it, it's like the introduction of Van Helsing. It's his character introduction. It's like, we get to see him, like, on a mission for the first time, you know. Yeah, I missed, like, all of, none of that is, like, in the movie at all. <laughs> no, not at all. It's not there because it's just like, oh, I'm chasing after somebody. It turns out it's Mr. Hyde voiced by Robbie Coltrane, yep. um, and uh, he... <laughs> I knew this movie, like, when I... Because I hadn't seen this since the theater. It had been so long. Oh, and wow, I had, okay. like, the, the detail that made me realize, like, oh, yeah, this is going to be rough to revisit, is there's a point during the big action sequence where Mr. Hyde's trying to get him. Like, they have a shot of Mr. Hyde's backside, and you can see his ass crack. Oh, yeah. Oh, which man. Which felt both, like... <laughs> Um, a bit harbinger of doom, but also like a clear executive note post Shrek coming out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cause that because he kind of looks like Shrek, and he also just like if I could see some guy with a cigar being like, "Yeah, you gotta put the ass crack," and that's what the kids <laughs> like now. <laughs> the kid. <laughs> It'll make the kids laugh. <laughs> Where's All Star? Can we get that in here? God. But yeah, this opening sequence happens. He faces off against. Um, uh, Mr. Hyde, and, you know, this is a cool version of Ben Helsing, where, like, he's got uh, a hat on that makes him kind of look like Vampire Hunter D, the anime, um, yeah. and he's got, like, a mask all over, like, half his face, and he's, like, shooting crossbows, dual-wielding, and stuff, um, so he defeats Mr. Hyde, and everyone is like, oh, you shot this innocent man, because he turns into Dr. Jekyll as he's falling, and right. it's like, curse you, Ben Helsing! <laughs> well, you forgot like, to mention, by the way, that they fight at the the Notre Dame. Yes, right. And he throws him yes. through, like, the window of, like, the, That's true. The, st the stained glass window of the Notre Dame. And they have, like, a whole, like, grappling hook thing that's going on. It's very bleh. Um, right. It's not a good he, action sequence. Yes. No, yeah. And then he goes to, like, see his, like, handler at the Vatican, which... Is, is kind of cool, like a secret, like, Vatican organization that's, like, hunting these monsters, but, like, none of that is, like, expanded on, really, in this. No, uh, also, a very confusing moment is in the middle of that, there's a point where, um, during the sequence, he, like, meets up with his, you know, his chief of police, this uh, cardinal, just like, God damn it, Van Helsing, you're off the force! <laughs> I can't handle this. Um, and then he meets up with his sidekick, Carl, played by David Wenham, which I love that, just a friar named Carl. 
just <laughs> by a poor name. But um, they, there's a point like during that where like uh, Carl's showing off like the various Q gadgets he's invented for Van Helsing, and he throws like an explosive thing over. And there's a guy who ADR'd in his line is like, "Oh, what in the name of Allah is wrong with you?" So it's like, wait, so are there like multiple different religious forces that are in the Vatican thing? Right. <laughs> What what's going on? What's happening here? Yeah, but. he is really he is like a Q type figure almost. Like the like yeah, it is part of like what like they're trying to make Van Helsing like cool where they give him like gadgets and he's got like all this like you know, arsenal that he can use. And I love David Wenham, but this this role is just <laughs> kind of nothing. I will say this much. I don't think anyone is quite sleepwalking. Um, in this movie, necessarily. No. Because, like, you know, you got, like, Hugh Jackman, who, like, this is, like, peak, like, right after X2. Can we talk some Jackman? Yes. I mean, I think Jackman is a very interesting actor in that he burst on the screen, obviously, with, like, Wolverine. He was, like, such an unknown. Yeah. Um, And it was, was like, oh, who is this, like, Australian actor? It's so fascinating. And then you find out he's, like, big into, like, Broadway musical performing (laughs) and stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's fun. That's great. And I still think, like, for whatever, like, Hugh Jackman has been in some terrible fucking movies. Like, rough, bad movies. he really has. But then, like, every time even I see a bad movie of his, he either does his smile or his Wolverine frown. I'm like, oh, but that guy's pretty cool. He's good. He's like he's really good. He has a really interesting like two thousands where he's like making the X Men movies, you know, is is making he's working with like interesting directors, like he makes a movie with Darren Aronofsky. Uh all right, and Christopher Nolan in the same and, yeah, year, I believe. The same That's year, the- which is a really interesting, yeah, like the prestige and the fountain. Um in two thousand six he also had he, He's got a really big 2006. That's Last Stand as well, right? That is. I wasn't thinking of that in any way. <laughs> no, no, of course not. <laughs> no one was. <laughs> um, but he is in a movie that we all know and love, uh, Flushed Away. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's also in Happy Feet, which like is like weird, but also it's like, well, it's probably him wanting to work with like George Miller. Which like Right. You know? You know, Aussies um, stay strong. There's a, there's a couple Aussies in, in Van Helsing. As well, as well, <laughs> detail because Wenham's also an Australian, right? And then, um, so. and Roxburgh is also Australian. Is he? Because he's, he's in a bunch of fucking Baz Luhrmann movies. Like he was just in Elvis. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I mean, and like, and so, Hugh Jackman does a he does he does the Australian movie for Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> Australia. That's true. The, the one um, Baz Luhrmann project I have not seen any of because I'm like I don't know I'll get to that at some point I guess <sighs> they're, they're doing that Hulu like recut right of a miniseries yeah he was talking about how he's editing like a miniseries for something I mean it's like already three hours long and like it's not that good I barely remember it it's uh, it's like by far his worst movie but like again it's, it stars Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman and I'm sure they're both like good from what I can remember of that movie but um. Yeah, he he's such an he's a great actor and he yeah, it's funny like yeah, he starts out making like as Wolverine and then he's like, but I just want to sing and dance in movies now. And you know what good on him, you know, I'm all good for that. Maybe yeah. that's good with him weirdly being friends with Jared Kushner, which I remembered recently like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Really? Hmm. Like him and Ava- him and Ivanka are buddies from way back, evidently. But he like there was some USA Today thing where he was talking about this like around like 2017, and he's like, "Oh, we don't discuss politics at our parties." Like, mm-hmm. here, Hugh, oh, right, Hugh, right, Hugh. <laughs> uh, but still, fun actor. Love seeing Great him actor. in things, you know. And and even in this movie, you can tell 
this is so much like a vehicle built around like we want to give the guy who does Wolverine another like franchise. We, like he'll be great. Very key, especially to the plot of this movie with what Van <laughs> Helsing ends up becoming, as it were. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, the, just to kind of like wrap up the plot sub- synopsis. So basically the mission he's given at the beginning of the movie is there was a bit of a prelude we forgot to talk about. That was like the yes, prologue that up. was uh, black and white, um, and stuff. But basically that details that like, um, over in Transylvania, Dracula himself, the count, um, has taken over basically after, um, there's a whole thing with Dr. Frankenstein being killed and the f- creature Frankenstein's monster going missing and stuff. And so now Dracula's taken over and there's a whole thing where he's trying to kill off this family that has been hunting him down over there who have like a treaty with the Vatican society. Um, and all that's left now is a brother and a sister. Uh, the sister being played by Kate Beckinsale, who is our female lead of the movie. So Van Helsing and David Wenham, Carl, I'm sorry, Carl, I'll call him by the name his mother gave him, Carl, um, go over to Transylvania, where they have to try and face off against not just uh, Dracula, but also his three brides, and the army of children they are trying to procreate, (laughs) with the assistance of um, Igor, um, who's played by Kevin J. O'Connor of Benny fame from The Mummy, which is, you can't recognize him, like the makeup is like it's weird where I think it looks like oh this is like a solid version of like what an Igor would look like, but it constricts Kevin J O'Connor who's a very good actor in like yeah. this or like in There Will Be Blood when he shows that's a very what good I role, associate like, him actor. with yeah right uh, but this he's just like he can't move in that fucking makeup <laughs> no yeah I like barely I barely recognize that it was him you can kind of tell because of his eyes he's got like kind of distinctive eyes but yeah he's not no um. <laughs> I, I will say to go back to that like opening section with the kind of uh, the black and white. I I do really like that section. I think it starts the movie off on a really good foot. Well, especially as like something that's trying to like do a universal monsters reboot of sorts. Um, if it's appropriate, like, and it looks genuine, like it's the best the movie kind of looks. Quite frankly, it, it is. Yeah, it's like this the really stark like contrast. I lo- I mean, I'm about to change my zoom background to like the great like universal on fire like logo which is so great um yeah like i really like that section but yeah the rest of the movie just doesn't he also like drags carl along with him he's like you're coming with me and carl's like i don't wanna and he's like i don't care let's go right they don't there's a lot of this movie where um i have notes that i prepared for this i've been doing notes for this show um after a certain point it just becomes a lot of why questions like (laughs) why is this happening why are we going here? Why is this character here in the scene? And I guess it feels like, I'll say this much, like, Stephen Summers, very openly, even in his bad movies, is trying to entertain. He feels very consummate as, like, a sort of entertaining director. And you can tell also that he really likes even, like, the old Universal Monster movies. You can tell that, like, he has an appreciation for, like, these characters. And I would love a fun monster-mashing movie that's just, like, oh, Van Helsing. And Van Helsing's a good, like, there's a good, like premise here of like Van Helsing's going around hunting a bunch of monsters that's the way you should do a dark universe <laughs> as you could say <laughs> yeah I really like the like the sort of base premise of Dracula's the big bad he's got all these you know these underlings right he's he's got like Frankenstein's Frankenstein working for him and all and whatever 
just to briefly mention, like, yeah, he has, like, an army of, like, little cloth, like, Jawas, essentially. They're, like, yeah, I, I referred to them as, um, like, steampunk Jawas. <laughs> Is yeah, what they that's very accurate. <laughs> right, who are just these creatures that, like, they give a name to, it's like the Dowaji or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. And they give no other explanation to, like, <laughs> wait, I don't remember, like, this, this isn't part of lore. Like, as a universal monsters fan, uh, this was never in the lore. But even then, just like, I don't know, how does he have minions? What, where did he get these minions from? They couldn't just have, like, if you had had even just, like, bat guys going around, like, bat minions, I'd get that. I'd get that Dracula has a, a, a crude... Like, a gang of vampires to be his, like, minions, sure. But instead so they go with these things and Igor. Do they live in Transylvania? Like, are they, are they like, residents of Transylvania? Like, what's, I don't, I'm, what's the story with them? <laughs> Speaking of Transylvania as a place, I, like, could think of is, like, Transylvania must be so dangerous to live in with dracula living like right there like it's it's like gotham city i mean, I mean that's kind of the thing in the old universal monster movies which i you know you haven't seen no i it, miss right? them every time like criterion channel does the like universal monsters like thing I, I miss it every time i mean what i like in those movies which was the original cinematic universe as many people like to talk about um in those movies transylvania is just depicted as like a bunch of people in, like, Lederhosen and, like, very German who, like, whenever anybody comes up, just like, I'm going up to Castle Dracula. <gasps> You're doomed. Don't go. <laughs> and they get, like, some Hungarian guy to say, like, that kind of shit. Um, and it's in every single movie. And the entire time, you're just like, why don't you guys leave? This seems like a terrible place to live. Dracula's so close and he's gonna feed. But I do, I do, I will say, I like that one, one of the few bits I really like in this movie is the bit where, like, after the big fight happens in the Transylvanian courtyard, with the brides coming in, and, like, Kate Beckinsale and Hugh Jackman meet each other, all this other stuff. After that whole sequence, there's the one bit where the guy who's, like, the undertaker um, comes up and says, oh, now you've really pissed him off. Like, yeah. he just came by and picked off a couple guys, usually, and we were, like, fine with that. And now you're fucking that up. He's gonna seek revenge against yeah, us. Yeah, he's like, we, we didn't even like those those guys anyways that he took, <laughs> like, took with him. Like, we were gonna let him have them, but... <laughs> But now you had to fucking stir the pot, Van Helsing. Yeah. Um, and and the thing is, that sequence also, um, it's a big microcosm of, like, the stuff that works in the movie and stuff that doesn't. The costuming on everybody, Kate Beckinsale, Hugh Jackman, like, it all looks good, even, like, the villagers, and also the set design for, like, this movie was shot mostly in Prague, and, like, the outdoor sets they do for, like, the houses and how decrepit they are and how, like, ancient. It looks like a solid, like, yeah, this is, like, a big movie set. This is fun. Uh, and then the Brides of Dracula show up. And, like, the heads are practical, because I watched the behind-the-scenes thing. From neck upward, they are all made up like that. And the makeup looks pretty good. The design of what it that does, looks yeah. like looks pretty good. Uh, but then they're on CG bodies, and it's so rough. <laughs> yeah. They do, like, it's right when they're, like, on the way to Transylvania. They're the, they do, like, a, like, Lord of the Rings style. Like, you see them, like, a, a wide shot of them on, like, horses, and it, like, pans over to, like, I guess Transylvania. And that's, like, l the landscapes look, like, really great and mm -hmm. are, like, really beautiful. But then, yeah, the CGI, the, the brides are really interesting. <laughs> like, I, I will also say, during this, like, sequence, he gets, like, a, a great, like, crossbow that has, like, a, a huge, right. like, thing he's not even aiming with it he's just like spitting he's just like spraying everywhere like bolts i'm like machine gunning it yeah i'm like van helsing you're a vamp you're a, you're like this is your job you should be better at this well hey excuse me we forgot one key part of his backstory which he doesn't remember anything 
isn't when he goes to see his handler at the Vatican, isn't he promising him to, like, bring his memory back or something? Right, it's it's something much like, I have to earn back my memories or some yeah, shit like that. Yeah, but it's also, like, they never go back to that in terms of, like, the Vatican. No, they only go back to it because, like, they reveal later on, like, the, the shocking reveal for audiences is that Van Helsing used to hunt down Count Dracula <laughs> yeah. before, but, like, hundreds of years ago. And it's like, oh, okay, so he keeps living. Almost the movie... I kind of got this. I don't know if this was what they had planned, maybe, because of his first name being Gabriel now. Are they implying he's, like, the angel Gabriel to, like, fit the religious theme? Because it feels like at least that's an illusion they're making. Yeah. Huh. I did keep calling him, like, Gabe <laughs> during while Gabe. I was watching the. <laughs> the Mummy Returns has a lot of, like, religious stuff going on. So, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe Stephen Summers is just really into religion um maybe that's a secret this next film's gonna be for pure flicks it's like oh no (laughs) (laughs) it's a monster movie about jesus it's just like oh the creature from the black lagoon (laughs) is gonna tell you about the the word of christ uh i don't know maybe um so this like big sequence happens we're not gonna go through plot beat by plot beat but um i i want to just talk about this point now that we're in transylvania the domain of dracula we gotta talk about richie Richie Roxburgh, <laughs> Roxburgh in this movie as Count Dracula. Um, as much as I, like I said, I don't think anyone's sleepwalking through this movie. Um, Richard Roxburgh is at full attention. He is <laughs> He's really sinking his teeth into everything. And I think it's part of a big run of his. Because I've, I've always noted this because the way I found out about this guy was realizing he was in a bunch of villainous roles in big movies from the dawn of the new millennium. So you got... In um, Mission Impossible 2, he right, plays yeah. the number two uh, guy who at one point Tom Cruise is disguised as. There's that great shot of him like running down and like, taking off the mask, and he's Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, and there's that. There's Moulin Rouge, which I think he's amazing in. He plays the main villain who, like, he manages to be both extremely menacing, but also as comedic as, like, a late night with Conan O'Brien character, because he's very <laughs> silly in that movie. But he's very solid at it. And then, um, right before this was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where he played the main villain. Which, have you seen that movie? I've, no, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of its kind of, I've heard it's it's famously bad, is what I've heard, but I've I've never seen it. It's very bad, I would agree with that, It's, (laughs) it's not a good movie, but it fits very much as like, a twin to this movie. Those movies have a very similar aesthetic and also, like, similar cast members, but even, like, that one is about, like, because it's based on the Alan Moore comic series, and it's about, like, a bunch of the uh, sort of literary figures coming together to form an Avengers, like the Invisible Man, um, Tom Sawyer is uh, one of... (laughs) Captain Nemo, yes. Yeah, and Alan Quartermain, who's Sean Connery in his last live-action appearance in a movie. (laughs) Um, that one's also, that one's fascinating, Uh, but it has a similar, like, a lot of similarities with this one. I think they both feel very indicative of, like, the trying to catch up with, like, this specific era of blockbusters, because the big movies right now are, like, your X-Men's, your Spider-Man's, which have recently come out, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl's come out, so that kind of era of blockbusters. And this movie and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, like, really feel like they're trying to chase that tail. Right. Back to Roxburgh, who is yeah. <laughs> so great. Like, talk like, do you agree with, like, he is the MVP of this movie, right? He yeah he kind of is just because he's giving a very big performance, <laughs> and just every yes. delivery he gives is just so ridiculous and like just so f- he it, it, he's having a very fun time with it, 
and like I want to be in the movie that he's in because yes. that movie seems very fun and very lighthearted and very just silly. Whereas the actual movie where you, you watch is just not that it, the vibe is kind of off, but he's so fun and he has so many lines that I just like, I couldn't keep, write all of them down because he just has so, so many of them. <laughs> um, He's the best part of this movie, I would say. Yeah. For another thing, also, a great visual touch I really liked is how there are certain moments where because Dracula in this universe can, like, walk up walls, basically, and has no real, like, his sense of gravity shifts with where he walks, basically. I love how many shots there are where, like, there's a point where Igor is, like, trying to turn on the Frankenstein machines, and he's, like, standing at a weird, like, 45-degree angle from, like, the top corner. Like, that shit's cool. I like that. He's just like, I just walk where I please. (laughs) <laughs> all over the place. Yeah, that that's fun. And like we should also talk about I guess the other lead of this movie, Kate Beckinsale. Yes, um, Kate Beckinsale. Who we all know from Adam Sandler's Click, right? Yes. Right. <laughs> this is her performance in this like yeah, she's not like phoning it in at all, but I think this no. is such an indicative like era for blockbusters for like the female characters are just so poorly written and so underwritten. And this is such a prime example of that where, so like, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, her and her brother, the last surviving members of like this family that's, you know, uh, Dracula's hunting, but like, that's kind of the only character development she's given is that she like has a brother who gets kind of like, he gets a, a, kind of kidnapped and like transformed into a werewolf by by dracula Um, right especially when like the whole like thing with her she's supposed to be in theory be like an equal to van helsing and that's kind of the fun of it right it's just like oh they're like bickering back and forth each other doesn't work out but then she like spends a solid like 25 minutes of the movie kidnapped and brought over to dracula's place and she can't escape on her own so van helsing and carl have to save her (laughs) just the way that like her character's written and the way that like this was a time in blockbusters where if you had any female character that like you know the costume design had to be like so much cleavage on every female character for no reason Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like yeah i don't know and i don't even think she's bad i don't even like hate her character or anything and she's done such a great job of hunting down monsters in the underworld movies which like yeah uh i'm guessing have you seen those i'm guessing you haven't i've seen none of these um yeah how many are there there are five five um I watched them recently. Honestly, like, you know what? I, I know the, the popular opinion is that the Resident Evil movies are underrated and Paul Debus Anderson's a master. And, like, whatever, I like some of those. They're, some of them are fun. But I think Underworld is the more underrated and consistent franchise, I would say. Okay. Uh, and none of them are great. Uh, I would say the best one is the third one, which is a really solid prequel. That's about, like, Michael Shannon's character and takes place a while before. Um, that one is very interesting. Also, I think Blood Wars, the most recent one, is fun. Uh, particularly, that one has a villain where at one point, the main villain of the movie is uh, she's talking to her uh, henchman, and she like has him go down on her while she's delivering her evil plot. Cool. <laughs> it's it's pretty fun. It's just like, oh, this is like silly and wonderful. And I, I like those movies, even if they do, you know, they look very post-Matrix- they're very sure. blue. There's times where it's kind of rough to see things. Um, but I think all of them, except the fourth one, are at least watchable. The fourth one's fucking bad. Really bad. Don't Awakening, it's called. 
Yep, that's the one that's just like, oh, this is what everyone sees when they think of these movies. But those movies know what they are, and they also, like, have a better reign on, like, what their visual style is. There's plenty of CG, but there's also, like, some practical, like, makeup effects and stuff that, like, really contrast in a decent way, not a great way. Um, as opposed to, like, this movie, once again, where, especially with Kate Beckinsale... Like you mentioned, she just is like very flighty. Depending on the script, she'll like go to whatever, and that's a. This movie is like so like Frankenstein together. Pardon the pun. Where like it just feels like there's big things that were deleted at some point in the production, and then we gotta like oh let's tie this together very quickly. Like what we gotta talk about Frankenstein. This weird use of Frankenstein in this movie, where he's played by a theater actor who's worked with. Hugh Jackman a bit. Um, he's uh, Surly Hensley, um, and uh, he's mostly known for theater. And you can tell where he feels like, kind of like the weird opposite version. Where like I think him and Richard Roxburgh are both playing to the rafters kind of thing in terms of like over the top. Right. But like with Mr. Hensley, um, it just feels like he's constantly wailing in pain, <laughs> and it's like this ain't fucking fun, man. I like I love Frankenstein. Like this is just like. Kind of a sad, pathetic version of Frankenstein where he keeps saying, like, I want to live. And every time just seems like he's in pain. I'm like, I would rather give him a mercy killing. He just doesn't seem like he really wants to stay alive because it's horrible for him. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I'm jumping to the end. But, like, there's the end where he's, like, dangling off. And Carl, our boy Carl, is there to save him. And he's, you know, he's like, I want to live. And Carl just goes, all right. (laughs) That's it. That's like, yeah. How do you feel about this version of Frankenstein? (laughs) I love the design of him. Like, Mm -hmm. I love like seeing. You can see his like heart. It looks like kind of like an uh, like an oscilloscope almost. Yes. Um, and like same with like his head. Yeah, and I like the idea of like put like putting him in this movie in this way where it's like yeah, like Dracula needs Frankenstein's monster is the key. That part's a bit kind of like. Okay, whatever. But like, right. he has to put Frankenstein like on the slab up when like the lightning happens, so that his babies won't die because his babies die like within twenty four hours, basically yeah. after they're born. So he's like, "You're the key to keeping my children alive because you came back to life." That part, that yeah, that part, I could leave that. But like, the idea of of incorporating like Frankenstein's monster in this way is like, okay, it's kind of interesting, but. Yeah, none of it. We should also mention, like, this movie is kind of long. It's two hours and 12 minutes. Yep. And it really feels long. But but Frankenstein's monster, like, there's a part where someone, like, someone, I think it's Kate Beckinsale, screams, it's Frankenstein's monster. And they make, like, an effort to to make sure they say it's Frankenstein's monster. (laughs) It's just... Yeah, because they don't want to be one of the, they don't want people complaining in the audience about, like, oh, he's that Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Actor's name. <laughs> yeah. um, he's integrated, I think, in a weird way where it just doesn't feel like he works as well with the plot. And also, there's a Wolfman in this movie, as it turns out. Kate Beckinsale's brother is uh, the Wolfman who was doing Dracula's bidding and then at some point, like, dies horribly. And we're like, oh, we cared so much about this guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, no. What was his name? Yeah. I'm like, when does he die? He dies in, like, the forest somewhere after, like, a a chase or something. There, there's a whole sequence where, like, he tries to chase him down on, like, the, the horse and carriage and uh, oh, and right, all that. Yeah. And I think even from, there's an earlier point where they have a different werewolf, because that's the thing, is, like, the brother got bitten at, like, the very first scene that he's in. Yeah, He gets yeah, bitten yeah. by a werewolf who's out there that they kill. And so, uh, right from that point, um, 
I would say of all the CG in this movie, the werewolves. Woof. <laughs> pun, pun intended. It deserves the pun. That terrible yeah. pun. It looks so bad. It's really bad. Yeah, because they do this thing. They don't because they do the they don't do the typical like werewolf transformation from like a, a American werewolf in London. Or and they don't also do like the old Universal style where it'd be like um, Lon Chaney Jr. sitting in a chair and like it would dissolve between all the effects that would build up. Right. They do like the skin. Their skin peels off and reveals the fur. But then when they transform back into people, the fur sheds and then the skin comes back. <laughs> it sounds weird and it doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah, it's, it's very odd. I mean, to be fair, there are other werewolf movies where that's been done, and I think that can be, like, a cool idea. Sure. Um, especially there's a great movie called Company of Wolves, uh, where, like, the werewolves kind of, like, come out of the human, basically. Like, out okay. of their mouths. That sounds cool. Which is dope, right? Um, but here, like, in theory, I like the idea of, like, oh, ripping off the uh, skin. But does that mean that just, like... There's a lot of skin versions of, like, Hugh Jackman and, like, this other guy just, like, on the ground in other places. Just like, oh, my God, someone's been skinned alive. And their twin has two over here. Yeah. It makes no sense. And it's... Because, like, when they first do it, it's, like, the... Because it's the scene when they arrive and it's nighttime. Van Helsing, like, he, like, knocks her out. What's her her character's name? I'm already forgetting. Anna. Um, Anna, yeah. He, like, knocks her out. Kind of a questionable move, but we'll move on. Um, and like, it, it's in, yeah, it's the transformations in like the, it, you see like the full moon. It, it's quite like striking in a way, but it just looks so goofy. <laughs> yeah, it looks really goofy. Yeah. And not in like a fun way either, because I think the problem with this movie is that like, when it does have the humor, it's very much like one liners that are just put in like haphazardly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the movie also just in general, like when it's especially like Van Helsing and Carl and Anna, it's super serious pretty much. Like there's not a lot of levity there really. No. The, and the few attempts are pretty bad. Like there's the bit where Anna is like going over to Van Helsing and it's like, Oh, you drink the strong stuff. It's absinthe. Watch out. And she drinks it whole like, Oh, nice. Oh no, we <laughs> fell into a cave. <laughs> and like, that's it. It's so like subpar Indiana Jones shit. Like this feels like the much worse example of like trying to do an Indiana Jones style thing than the mummy. <laughs> yeah. And like, I will say this. So like Hugh Jackman and Kate Beckinsale, like with their like whole kind of relationship in the movie, it would make sense because like Steven Sommers does like the, the Fraser and Rachel Weisz stuff in the, the two mummy movies that I've seen is like incredible. Like I think they have incredible chemistry, like both of their characters are so well like fleshed out and well written and like none of that is translated in this movie and i feel like it's because like there's just so much that this movie has to do besides like their whole romance that they yeah it, it, that it just doesn't have time to focus on their romance which is a, much easier in something like the mummy nor does it also have time to like actually make van helsing that interesting as like a hero character because no. in theory, you would want him to be Indiana Jones, and there's like they, they do the worst attempt at that. Where there's a bit, uh, Kate Beckinsale's family has been living in this house that Dracula used to live in, and there's this mysterious map that's on the wall, and it's not complete. And they're like, we don't know where it leads, we don't know where it's, like, we know something has to be up with this map. And they like read like a sacred text that they find in the middle of the place, and they're like, oh, it's got to be this. It's some kind of like maybe doorway. How are we gonna like put it together? And the way they do that is. 
way back at the beginning of the movie, the Cardinal's like, oh, hey, bring this piece of paper with you, this parchment that's ripped oh, up. Oh, right, yeah. And then Helsing's like, wait, what about that thing we were given at the beginning of the movie? And then Carl puts it down there at the corner, and then a mirror suddenly pops up like it's fucking a Super Mario Brothers level that they're about to walk through. <laughs> and then um, they're like, oh, it's a mirror. And it's like, maybe it's not a mirror. And then Helsing just pushes through it, and they go through a portal to Dracula's castle that they can't find... Which admittedly, like, goes kind of hard. Like, the design for his, like, castle is kind of, like, super cool. Oh, the um, castle's amazing. Like, the, yeah. honestly, the section where, like, he, they have the big ball at a certain point, everyone's, like, yeah. dancing around and whatnot. I'm like, oh, this looks so fucking great and opulent. Like, I miss a blockbuster looking this giant. It's kind of like the Phantom of the Opera movie, which is also this year that Joel Schumacher did, where that's a terrible fucking movie. But, God, it looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there has to be, like, a name for this, like, this plot point in, like, there's always, like, these movies where they're hunting, like, a monster, some kind of, like, enemy that we we don't know how to beat them. And then they go through, like, the motion of, like, oh, long ago, there was a, like, they, they, they do that whole thing. And it's, it is the most kind of generic version of that, of, like, we have to figure out how to defeat Dracula. It, it's very, very by the numbers and is just kind of, like boring <laughs> yep really is and like there's just other things too where like they they try and like move the plot along like, i think the biggest indicative thing of this movie's weird plotting is there's a certain point where during like that big sequence we mentioned where the werewolf version of kate beckinsale's brother was attacking and then helsing gets bit so he's going to become a werewolf yeah. and there's a point later on where like they're trying to you know confront dracula and it's him Carl and uh, Frankenstein um, after um, the Kate Beckinsale's been kidnapped. That's why they're going up to the castle now. Why they're trying to get to it. Um, and fucking Frankenstein is like, wait, you're a werewolf. I can't trust you. We have to kill him. And then fucking Van Helsing knocks him out and puts him in a crypt. And it's like, why? <laughs> it's only just because like Frankenstein can't be there when they end up getting to the castle at this point. Yeah. So they just, like, knock him out and put him in a tomb. When like they the hide him. <laughs> fun, right. Wouldn't the more fun thing be just Van Helsing trying to convince, like, look, we're kind of down here on a lot of people. If I'm a werewolf man, I could, like, attack, and I have, like, some kind of supernatural power. So we have, like, an edge a bit. Like, you can kill me after we confront Dracula and save her. Yeah. As opposed to knock out. And put him in a tomb? Why? <laughs> Speaking of, like, the, the brother character, it's like, they have this whole thing where, like, the conflict with Hugh Jackman and Kate Beckinsale is that, like, he's like, that's not your brother anymore. It's, you know, it's, he's a werewolf. We gotta kill him. And she's like, no, it's still my brother. And, and it's it's just, it doesn't, like, it doesn't go well. And, like, I, I always hate that kind of thing in, in movies, you know. Um, and they don't even play with the conflict of it later, when Van Helsing could be like, oh my god, kill me, or some like, have a weird change of heart because he's been transformed into a werewolf. But yeah. no, he's still kind of the same guy, but also like, I want to live. So like, oh, okay, so you're just like an asshole? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's nothing compelling about this character. Yeah. We, we were talking a bit about like the, the sort of the jokes, and like one of the, the, the lines that Dracula's Brides has that I think is so funny is when I think I think it's the section where in the village 
when um when it's like one of his brides and Kate Beckinsale and <laughs> the brides just goes too bad so sad <laughs> so yeah it's so bad uh, it, that is like it's the problem I think with a lot of like the humor in this movie is that it's it's kind of that thing of like this is a period piece it's set in like 1888 or whatever but right. all the jokes are like jokes that you would hear in 2004 yes. and so yeah and so like it just is like but why are they making these jokes? Like, there's just it's right. So like weird. one bit in particular, the bit that like is like the most they give David Wenham to do really in this movie is there's a point where like during a big Bride of Dracula's attack, he saves a woman, a villager, and she's like, "Oh, how can I repay you?" And he whispers in her ear, and she's like, "Oh, I guess I could do all that." And then it cuts to like them waking up the next morning having slept together because it's like, hey. <laughs> case of the not gays because yep. David Wenham totally fucks ladies <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. that's the idea of the, the, the fun humor and, the, and once again the most that guy gets to do would just manipulate a villager woman after saving her life and having sex with her yeah. great cool dude too <laughs> speaking more on like the sort of towards the end of the movie when like the revelation is, is revealed that like Van Helsing is is the Van Helsing that we all knew? Like it, it isn't really much of a twist, like like you mentioned. Like we always no. kind of we knew that already, but like there's this like this talk about him being like the left hand of God, and I'm like, right. that sounds fucking cool. But in the movie, it's not really like at all. <laughs> Further evidence to my Gabriel question. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that, that that kind of fits. But I guess I mean it's a bit different from like regular Van Helsing in that Van Helsing at least initially, I don't know, maybe there's some I haven't seen all the Universal Monster movies or even the Hammer movies um where they kind of did versions of this character, but I don't recall Van Helsing being like immortal, which I think is kind of like usually the charm of Van Helsing is that he's like, "Oh, he's just a very intelligent mortal man." who is trying to face off against these guys. But if you want to change that up, I'm cool with that. But the problem is that they just don't do anything with it. Yeah, because, like, my... What I... This is so funny. The the thing I thought of when I, like, was watching this was... um, Because I haven't seen any of the other, like, Universal Monster movies, my reference for Van Helsing was the Hotel Transylvania. I think it's in 3. They have, like, a Van Helsing. So, yeah, I always thought it was just, like, a lineage passed down, like, to from generation to generation but yeah they do the the immortal thing which is yeah <laughs> which yeah it's curiosity um but yeah i mean and then like once we get to this ending it's just one fucking like bad sequence after another where there's like the whole bit where frankenstein is like zip lining basically and jumping from different things and it's like a really bad cg <laughs> version of frankenstein and then like the whole fight that happens where dracula goes full vamp versus uh, Van Helsing werewolf, and it looks so bad. It looks just like the earliest test that you would do in an animatic form. It's like, okay, now we're going to do the real version of it. We're going to render it now, right? We're going to do that. Um, and it, it all is just indicative, especially of like when I was watching that little behind the scenes feature, the special effects guys are talking, as many did in 2004, of like, now that we're in the digital age, there's no limitation to what we can do. Yeah. And it's like, guys, there's limitations. <laughs> It is that sort of, like, 90s, kind of 2000s CGI thing of, like, we can do anything now, right? Like, right. The, the sky's the limit. But they use CGI for everything. And, like, a lot of stuff where I'm like, you guys were not ready for to do... Like, the technology was not there at this point to no. do what you're doing right now. But, like, there's something a bit... It's a bit of, like, 
in a way, I kind of like it in a novelty kind of way. You know, mm-hmm. it, in like because especially you look at a lot of the CGI from this time, and with how like a lot of it has aged, it can look quite goofy and kind of cartoonish. But again, in that in a novelty kind of way, I kind of like that. Um, I'm not saying that for everything in this movie because there's some stuff that just like no, no. I mean, I think bad, that's the thing. That's the thing I feel with like say the original Spider-Man, which I think is a really yeah. fun movie, but the CG there. Um, isn't great. It, I think it has shown its age quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I think at its best, it can kind of look like, and not directly because I prefer this thing I'm comparing it to, but it kind of feels like when you go back to the old like Ray Harry house and the stop motion stuff. Yes. Where mm-hmm. it's like, this is somebody who had a limited means to be able to do this and was at least trying their hearts out. I feel that is the case with like this movie and a lot of the other big CG movies where it's kind of like charmingly brazen. In a way where yeah. it's like, yeah, we're doing this. We're breaking the doors down. Even though, like, oh, you broke them down and they, like, hit you in the face. Just like, I mean, they came back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, hit you square in the jaw. Um, but that's, that's at least more comforting to me than now where I know a lot of people work hard on CG effects. But also it feels like there's a lot more stress and a lot more of, like, that thing we've been hearing about, like, oh, we're overworking special effects artists. It feels like that where this feels, like, rushed out and there are, like, pencil marks still there <laughs> that I can see, basically. Yeah, I, and like, I, I will say like the, the Harryhausen stuff I, I do kind of think is like, I think that has more like love and like craft put into it. I see what you mean right. though, but like the, the, it was this time where it was like, we can do anything in CGI. Let's put a fucking face on a wave and let's create these monstrosities where like a lot of like the sort of horrifying like you know it's scary because like the cgi is just like bad and that like kind of <laughs> yeah. it, but it almost helps in a way because it makes it kind of like creepier i think the biggest problem really is just that they don't know how to light any of the cg effects no. that's a big thing where like they can't match the lighting that's on the actual practical set the best cg should like try and disguise that with like shadows and stuff perfect for like a yeah. horror movie themed thing mm-hmm. like this and they can't do that <laughs> because fucking uh despite the fact that he's in this big dark castle van helsing werewolf looks like he's in a convenience store with the like overhead light <laughs> directly on him <laughs> yeah. and you can see every bad hair on his body <laughs> yeah i mean like that and en- the ending section when they're both like in their monster form. I got like the thing of like, when you watch a recent movie, like movies are are released now and you're like, Oh, we're just watching two like pieces of like mushy animation fight. Right. That is more often previs, but this feels just like, Nope, we are doing this as like, we're, we're we're doing this afterward. We're going to match the shots that are in here. Like they even talk about in that behind the scenes thing. where It's like, we try to match every single camera move of the, you know, in Prague, that was all the stuff on the shot there and the sets and everything. And it all just looks like it's barely in the frame <laughs> at all. I don't know. A part of me wishes, like, I mean, it would have been so fucking hard to do, but make the whole thing in black and white and make it look like the intro. I think that would have been, like, so cool. I mean, like, Universal, I don't think, would ever have gone for it. Like, a major studio would not do that. But, like, I don't know. Like, that, that especially because that black and white stuff looks so good. And I think, like, that that, that section, like, has CGI, but is is kind of masked a bit by the black and white. Right, yes. And and, and kind of this, like, I, I don't know, this might just be me talking out of my ass, but I feel like when movies were still shot on, like, film, and they had CGI elements, I feel like the, the film sort of, 
there is a kind of a it, it masks it a little bit and kind of it feels more organic mm-hmm. yeah but but yeah this the the children we should probably talk about the the children oh at some point. yes the, chi- the 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 various uh gelatinous sacks of vampire children that are birthed and i guess this is just what you know if dracula and his brides copulate they get horrible nightmare like gremlin things yeah yeah they're like yeah they look like kind of like piranhas kind of like on like their mouth they have like all the teeth and everything but there's just this weird plot device especially where like there's supposed to be this big thing we're supposed to be counting down to where it's like oh no dracula's gonna have his children rise and they will be taught how to you know be his army to try and destroy the world and stuff like that and when they're these like small little dudes it just doesn't feel like that (laughs) entertaining if you're gonna do that give them like personality there's like a big horde there's just like a giant mass that feels maybe like the most wave thing honestly uh in this movie is that kind of stuff and it just feels like if you're gonna do that make them like gremlins have them do fucking like crazy shit have like attack individual people and stuff like that that makes it as opposed to like most of what they do is just like lift people off the ground and like that's it really and like (laughs) some of them like swarm and then they like kill one guy i guess but like that's give them weird i want stripe the vampire kid or whatever yeah and it is part of the thing of like like, there's a lot of plot here and it's it it feels very it's stretched way too thin for what it's trying to do and i kind of appreciate how ambitious it's trying to be in like just i mean yeah the plot but also like the yeah like you said the visual effects of it all but and and also the the fun thing about this movie is that universal was putting their chips in for this one because they had planned to make obviously a sequel but also they were developing a theme park ride and a spin-off TV show called Transylvania, which would have apparently featured... This is all rumor, basically. We know this thing existed, but the rumored plot was a Wild West sheriff has taken to Europe and has like become the sheriff of Transylvania and like would have to fight monsters or whatever, and Van Helsing, Hugh Jackman would pop up in guest appearances. Uh, which, for the record, that sounds like a fun show. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I would love to right. have seen that. <laughs> and obviously, that did not happen because this movie grossed three hundred million dollars on a hundred seventy million dollar budget, and all that stuff was whisked away in one of many attempts to kind of do a you know reboot of the Universal monsters. And you know, we joke about like the Universal shit or whatever, all the like the Dark Universe. But do you feel like they can still viably do that? Do you feel like there's a way? where they can do, like, this sort of shared universe thing at this point. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll sort of, like, again, disclaimer that I have not seen the original Universal Monster movies, but... Um, right. Yeah, I, I feel like this movie kind of made me realize, because when I had seen, like, the Cruise Mummy, which is, you know, the Dark Universe uh, origin story, I guess, I was just like, there's, this is not going to work. Like, I just don't think there's a way to do like this. But this is kind of like a, a sort of ideal way to do it of like, yeah, have like a monster hunter type of character who can like hunt these monsters down or something. I, I don't know if they could, they would do that now. I feel like now they would try and like set up like five sequels again or whatever. Right, which I don't necessarily want in theory, but I think this movie would be greatly improved by having him face off against one of these guys. Sure, yes. As that's, opposed to all of them. Yeah, that is kind of the problem with the movie. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's doing the Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, and like Jekyll and Hyde, and it's like, 
this is the this is the first movie. I de- you know if, if, this, if this was like a friend a future franchise like this was just your first movie like maybe calm down first like I get that the mummy was like massively successful but like maybe tone it down a bit <laughs> right especially when like I think the perfect way to do it honestly because they've been trying to also like post this they've been trying to do various different versions of Van Helsing even like in 2012 this was originally going to be written by Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orsi as a Tom Cruise vehicle, this, like, Van Helsing movie, in 2012. And then, obviously, Alex Kurtzman and uh, Tom Cruise did something different, which we may talk about a bit later. Um, and then there was recently, um, it was announced that Julius Avery, who did, like, Overlord and oh. uh, The Pope's Exorcist, was going to direct a reboot uh, that was going to be produced by James Wan. Which, I think, that could work for me, especially in this modern vein where you have, like, the Invisible Man that was done with Elizabeth Moss that was not really tied to anything. My pitch, honestly, would be for if you want to do a good Ben Helsing like this, have him hunt down the universal monster who has not been in any recent movies for some reason, and it baffles me, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Do it like Prey or Predator, where it's him hunting down the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. That would be such a good movie, and especially if you want to set it now, there's a lot you can do with, like, an ocean monster <laughs> wanting to seek vengeance <laughs> on humans and shit yeah. like that. They're, that character is so untapped. They've been trying for decades, but it's like, that is the way to go, I think. Yeah, and, like, Guillermo del Toro kind of kind of did it, but, um, you know, right. <laughs> but he was like, but what if he fucks? <laughs> right, but he's not the creature from the Black Lagoon. He right. is... I don't know what they called him in the movie. I can't remember. Just the creature or whatever? Yeah, I think they just called him, like, yeah. The Lee Whannell Invisible Man felt like such an obvious way if they wanted to, like, do these movies. Like, not not the dark universe, obviously, because that will never see the light of day, unfortunately. But give give them the Blumhouse. Let, like, weird, like, indie directors do these kind of small movies that will probably make, like, so much money because, like, horror sells. Yeah, unless you have, say, a Renfield which was their most recent example. <laughs> yeah. Which, woof. We don't need to talk about Renfield. Um. <laughs> um. I'll say also, an interesting thing, best part of that movie is the opening black and white bits where they put Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Holt into the old Dracula movie. It's like the yeah. best part of that movie, honestly. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. that's my pitch, okay, is give it to Blumhouse, let Blumhouse like pick whoever, and then like maybe make a black and white movie because like, that would be really fucking cool to see like a, a especially if it was shot well i think it would be really great to see a, a black and white like universal new universal monster movie we say many things about marvel all the time but i thought that world by night special at least looked pretty good i thought yeah. it was like kind of fun for what it was yeah i mean hey michael giacchino maybe he could do it i don't know he's doing Disney. he's too busy doing them the giant ants that he's remaking that movie. The, oh, the really? Movie. Oh, that's, that's cool. That's at least actually. what he's announced to be doing. I would hope, yeah. That'd be a fun movie to see. But yeah. um, uh, we've clearly diverted away from Van Helsing. Is there any, like, final thing? I guess the only other plot thing we haven't talked about is just fucking Keith Beckinsale getting killed by uh, Wolverine. I'm sorry, the werewolf Van Helsing. Um, and uh, then he burns her on a pyre like Darth Vader, and then her face appears in the sky. <laughs> appears in the sky like like um like Mufasa, which is all I can Mufasa. think of. <laughs> I, I was trying to imagine Kate Beckinsale like saying the line from the Lion King <laughs> to You know who you are. <laughs> you know who you are, Van Helsing. Yeah yeah. That's the point I was just like, why is she in the sky? <laughs> like what the fuck is this? But but yeah, weren't you so 
so filled with tragedy at the death of Kate Beckinsale? Didn't you cry? Weren't you just like so upset that that happened? Gonna be honest, I I, I watched this movie like two or three days ago, and I'm already struggling to remember like what her death scene was. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it really is just like a, a really forgettable movie, and like it isn't terrible. Like, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but, like, just, like, forgettable. Just, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess those are your final thoughts. You don't have anything else to add? Um, <laughs> yeah, let me check my notes here. Um, oh, I like the part where he, um, I think it's Van Helsing, I can't remember, but he dips, like, the arrow in, like, holy water to, like, shoot. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Another thing I was thinking of that, like, all I could think of like during this was like, this could could have been a cool video game. I, I don't think they ever made like a, a video game for this at all. Oh, there was a licensed video game. There was. Oh man, I've seen the, the great era of bad licensed video games. I believe it was a PlayStation Two <laughs> and That's, Xbox Three Sixty. Oh yes. Oh wow. Yeah. I'm wow. Apparently, it plays like Devil May Cry, which again sounds kind of cool. But like, yeah, it, the the graphics I'm sure look beautiful, just like the original film. <laughs> I bet I bet the game like kind of looks better than the movie in some cases because like I don't know I, I mean I wouldn't be surprised necessarily yeah um but but yeah I mean for me I will agree I think it's I would say it's forgettable but at the same time like this movie did stick with me even if it was like a bad movie like obviously like the details of the plot don't but like the stuff that sticks in is like the fun stuff like Richard Roxburgh is Dracula um, even the bad CGI, there's a bit of that kitschy charm to it at this point. We're 20 years removed, so it's kitschier at this yeah. point. Just like, oh, look, this outdated, antiquated CG. Um, but it, it really does feel like the problem with giving somebody like Stephen Summers, who worked really well with like s- movies that were between like 30 to $80 million. Like all his best movies tend to be like that kind of mid-range budget, fun kind of like blockbustery stuff that we don't get anymore because a blockbuster has to be hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, 300 million or nothing. Right, exactly. It has to make a billion dollars to gross as opposed to like, oh, no, let's do like a, a Van Helsing movie that's, or let's do like the Mummy movie. It's like about, I think it's like 100 to 80 million, like somewhere around that range. And, you know, it's like, it's not going to be our top tier performance necessarily, but we're going to like put it out there. And then the problem is like when that makes a lot of money, that gives Universal the wrong idea and also gives Summers the wrong idea about like what people were interested in. So where I think that's a big problem with The Mummy Returns, I think it is also a very big problem with uh, this Van Helsing movie he's done. Um, but at the same time, I would love to see, like, you know, bring Steven Summers back, but give him yeah something a bit smaller, like a bit bigger than like to Odd Thomas was like a $10 million movie or something. It was like a lot more scaled down. But he yeah. still tried to put as much CG goop in there as possible. And it's like, now I feel like, you know, it's been 10 years. Let Steven come back. Let him do like a fun B-movie of sorts with a decent budget. And I think he could do a pretty good job. Even like, you know, him handling one of those Blumhouse movies, I think it would be fun. Sure, I can even yeah. see that happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like he's one of those directors that just kind of got lost. Because like, kind of the, the movies that he like made kind of don't get made anymore like you said like it feels like he's just one of those directors that got like lost in the whole you know in this whole new hollywood system um but yeah i would love to see him come back because like i i do think he's a good director and like yeah i don't know let him do something 
Universal, let him do something else. I don't know. See what he wants. The, the Mummy has been having this like great resurgence, like in in terms of like how, how people conceive that movie now. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the right time for him to him to come back. I I say this like having seen Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, but also being like, I love that Brendan Fraser's had this comeback. But part of the big thing why he kind of receded was how much he got physically fucked up on the third Mummy movie. Right. And stuff. Yeah. I just don't feel like... I don't want to see Rick O'Connell just be, like, in a chair. <laughs> just like, you go, youngin'. Whatever, yeah, you I keep mean, going. Because even, like, the third movie is attempting to be, like, a legacy sequel where they, like, only seven years after the first... Because, like, the kid is now grown up. And he's oh. like, oh, I'm kind of, like, kind of trying to replace Brendan Fraser, basically. They already did that in that third movie, and it's rough. I'm good without them doing more mummy necessarily. Yeah, don't don't do the mummy, but I don't know. Give give Summers like something, you know. See if he, you know, see what he wants to make. I'm sure he, I'm sure he, he wants something. He wants to make something, but it is kind of funny, honestly, with the mummy. Like most of my nostalgia is directly for speaking once again of theme park attractions. The mummy at Universal. The, okay. which is themed after still the Steven Summers movies. Because the premise of that one is that this came out like in 2000, I think, uh, four or five, this coaster, before like the third movie. And it's they're shooting the third Mummy movie at an actual like <laughs> uh, like Egyptian tomb. And it turns out there's an actual curse. So Brendan Fraser's like, in the while you're in line waiting to go on the roller coaster, he's just like, oh, hey, yeah, we're shooting Mummy 3. It's pretty great and spooky. Things are happening behind him. And he's having fun. Um, and the coaster itself is great, too. That's one of my favorite rides in Universal, honestly. Because there's a, especially there's a great bit where, like, you seem to be going through, like, a big, giant, like, because it's an indoor roller coaster. And, like, oh, you go down, like, one loop. And then it seems like you're at the end of the ride suddenly. Where it's like, oh, yeah, everybody, come off the, uh, get out of your ride vehicles. Thank you for coming, Universal. And then, like, scarabs attack the guys in the booth. Oh, <laughs> and then they get eaten. Cool. And then you go on the full roller coaster. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> wow. I have not been to Universal, like, oh, man, since I was, like, 12, maybe. And I, even, I, don't, I don't think I rode the mummy. That's, that sounds really cool, though. <laughs> it's a really fun ride, yes, for sure. But now we're, we're done with talking about Van Helsing and related summersisms. So now it's time for our weekly segment of Between the Lines. So Between the Lines is a segment that Brian and I do every week in which, uh, you know, we talk about Another movie that, you know, is tangentially related to, uh, in this case, you know, our E for Egregious episode. And we kind of, we had some behind the scenes uh, back and forth earlier before we uh, turned the mics on. About uh, when we decided for the Egregious episodes, we're going to be talking about bad movies. So not ones we recommend necessarily, but bad ones that kind of reminded us of the movie in question. So, uh, Brian, you go first. What's your pick? Yeah. So as I was digging through the, you know, watching watching the mummy returns and i uh I, I remembered that the scorpion king was a a movie i hadn't seen before i had seen the like cgi dwayne johnson i always thought that it was from the movie the scorpion king i didn't know it was from the mummy returns um and that man that is some real rough cgi by the way and it's a very bad setup for the rock as well in that movie where he's in the prologue and he doesn't pop up until like the very end of the movie in that cg form because it doesn't really look like him only like no. kind of it's very very it's it's like one of the most like uncanny things i've seen that isn't like you know the, it reminded me of like the recent luke skywalker in the mandalorian thing 
Oh, where he looked so great and lifelike and like he was totally real and not at all like a, a yeah. dead puppet man yeah, of some the, sort. The, but I will say that moment, not to keep interrupting you in the middle of your seg- your bit, but uh, it does at least lead to like my favorite thing of like when Dwayne Johnson's revealed in CG and then Arnold Vosloo comes up just like, ah! like this <laughs> is so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that movie's that movie's wild, but right. um, but the Scorpion King, but the Scorpion King, a, a the prequel to the Mummy Returns, which is about Matthias and does his it's his origin story basically, and a thing I, I didn't I didn't know is that it's directed by Chuck Russell, who right, uh, admittedly I have not seen any of his movies, but I, he directed The Mask, which yep. I. I'll reveal this on mic. I'm about to. I'm about to embarrass myself. I've never seen The Mask, but I have. I've definitely seen like a lot. Not the whole thing, but I've seen a lot of Son of the Mask. Not by my choice. Like it was. It was like on. One of my cousins was watching it at some point, and I was like watching it, and I was kind of creeped out by the mask, and so I stopped. But yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, the Scorpion King. I think this movie is way worse than Van Helsing. Because, like, mm-hmm. as we talked about, Van Helsing has, like, ambitious in, like, it's trying to do a lot with CGI. It is trying to, like, really go for it. It's a blockbuster. It's a big movie. And this movie's not really a blockbuster. It's, it's, it's like, what, $60 million, if I remember correctly, was the budget? Right, and it came out, like, in April. It was kind of just, like, a genre-y programmer. Yeah. Um, although I did see on the Wikipedia, by the way, that it had the biggest april opening since the matrix (laughs) like that's so weird to think about but um yeah this movie i think is way worse than uh than van helsing it it is so boring and it is 90 minutes which it does not feel 90 minutes it feels like it's like four hours long um yeah and (sighs) trying to do a lot of similar stuff that they do in in the mummy and van helsing or well in just the mummy but um a lot of CGI, where like they, they they do the whole army of like scorpions at the end, and it looks. <laughs> I mean, if you want to see some really like dated CGI, this is like you know really bad. Um, and look, say what like I have a lot of negative thoughts on Dwayne Johnson as an actor now, but like it is really impressive that this did not kill his career <laughs> in two thousand and two. <laughs> Because, like, he's whatever. He's doing his, like, shtick that he has done always and, like, continues to do. But he looks so stupid. <laughs> he looks so goofy to me every time I, like, they cut to him. It's such a... And it's, it is it is so indicative of, like, a lot of the bad things we've said about Van Helsing. You mentioned the joke with uh, our boy Carl and, like, the woman he saves. Do you remember mm-hmm. the 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 joke in the in the Scorpion King with the little kid? Do you know? So there's a bit where like you have to refresh my memory. I'm a bit <laughs> fuzzy, you don't the even sp- though I saw this fairly recently, like in the last two years, but I can't remember it at all. So like it's the 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 female character who let me get it. Yeah, is uh, played by Kelly Who, and yes, is um she like fall uh, falls into like a, a pond or something or it's like a wishing well and this little kid like you see this little kid like flip a coin or whatever and then the she comes out and of course it's the early 2000s so she's like scantily clad and the kid is like 
God praised me. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is mm-hmm. so like awful. Like the jokes are so bad. The jokes are even worse because like Van Helsing is like midi, you know, it's, it's the 1800s, whatever. This is set in like Gomorrah. <laughs> so like biblical times. <laughs> and yet it's, and yet the jokes again are like very 2000s. I, I will say, I guess Michael Clark Duncan is great in it. I love seeing mm-hmm. him in this. Um, I wish there was more of him. Cause when he like pops up at the end and he's like fighting all these like guys, he's got like a, a group of like 10 guys that are like, you know, rushing him and he's great, but yeah, what a, what a real stinker. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I've seen the Scorpion King. Um, I have not seen the four sequels that are directed video that have come insane. out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I actually looking this up. Uh, one of them is a prequel. Of course, a and prequel the other to a prequel. Three, right, there's sequels, um, but but yeah, I've I've seen the the Scorpion King. And I would agree that I think it's bad, but I think the one thing you're kind of forgetting that I personally think makes it a hair above like a Van Helsing for me is there's some fun stunt work. Like I would say, especially like the opening bit. I think there's a lot of fun stunt work to the degree that like when I was watching this movie and I hadn't watched it until like a couple years ago for the first time, I just realized like. This would be so good, speaking back to the theme park thing, as, like, a 20-minute stunt show yeah. at Universal. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, the Scorpion King's making people fall or whatever. It, it has that aesthetic to it. But that can't sustain a full movie. No. <laughs> like, at all. No. Um, and I agree with you that Chuck Russell's a fun director, especially, um, or not, along with the ones you mentioned, like, The Mask. He also did um, the 1980s The Blob which is one of the great horror remakes, I would say. Uh, okay. really, like Some of the best, like especially practical, like people get melted in that movie. <laughs> and cool. it's really cool. And also Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which many would say is like one of the better sequels in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Okay. Um, so he's a, he was also a pretty solid genre director. He even also directed Eraser, a fun Arnold movie from the 90s. Um, so he had like some fun stuff. I think the Scorpion King kind of killed that. For him, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. he's another guy where, like, right after, like, he deals with the Mummy franchise, he really falls off. Really, like, don't touch the Mummy franchise, anybody. Like, that's the <laughs> that's big true. thing. Just like, yeah. we shouldn't do any. Like, Universal should not do another Mummy movie because Steven Summers out, uh, fucking uh, Chuck Russell out, uh, Rob Cohen justly out for a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, and Alex Kurtzman keeps working, but he's never directed a movie since the, the yeah seventeen Mummy. That's so yeah. That's so interesting that this is like the it's the career killer for everyone. It's cursed. The mummy's <laughs> curse is that your directorial <laughs> career will fucking fizzle immediately yeah. afterward. Um, because I hadn't seen the Scorpion King, it also gave further context to um, Jordan Peele's Nope when they're talking about like horses, yes. and he go he goes like yes. they, they use camels instead, and in this movie they make like an effort when he's like camels are smarter, and I'm like okay, <laughs> but yeah, that was a, that was a funny little, and it's such a weird connection. Like it's just, I think about that movie a lot, but like the connection of to the Scorpion King, and he has like the hoodie with the little like logo the, on the crew it jacket. It's, it's the perfect like just forgettable movie where like you don't remember until. OJ says it's like, oh yeah, that was a movie that did exist, right? It's yeah. so genius. Yeah, one of the many reasons that movie's a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, but that's all I had to say on The Scorpion King. What What's yours? <laughs> well, mine um, is, you know, very much real. We've been kind of dancing around this movie the whole episode, but I have the 2017 The Mummy, directed by Alex Kurtzman and uh, starring Tom Cruise. 
Uh, which, for my money, like, once again, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor is the worst smelling movie Universal has done in the 21st century. But this is not far off. And it is trying to, like, you know, very famously create the dark universe. They hyped it with the big photo of Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man. Oh, yeah, and, hold on. Wait a minute. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm guess I wonder if someone's Zoom background's about to change. <laughs> I downloaded the picture <laughs> earlier. <laughs> um, um, but but yeah, they were trying to tease this whole thing about the dark universe uh, that was supposed to come from this. And um, the problem with this movie is that uh, it is such yeah. Now I'm seeing it. There's Johnny Depp. There's Javier Bardem, our Frankenstein, and Sofia Batella as her. I forgot That's, what her thing was. She's just the mummy, mummy, right? <laughs> right, I don't know. And Russell Crowe, who I will say, Russell Crowe is the spotlight to me of he is. that 2017 mummy. Yeah. Because he just turns gray and becomes <laughs> Mr. Hyde. And it's so funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's such a movie where like Tom Cruise is kind of trying to inject, obviously, some of his Mission Impossible stuff into this movie. But also, he's trying to kind of inject a bit of like that Edge of Tomorrow thing with his character, Nick Morton everyone's favorite adventurer, um, who is such a fucking dick. The whole he really movie. Is. He's yeah. one of the worst modern protagonists in, like, a blockbuster movie, where he just, like, sleeps around, but, like, in a way that feels just sleazy, and just, like, abandons people left and right, um, keeps seeing his dead friend, who's fucking awful, played by, what's his Jake Johnson, who's Jake fun, Johnson, usually. Who I love. Bad. Yeah. Bad use of him in this fucking movie. Yeah. Um, in a ripoff, by the way, of the best friend from uh, the American Wolf in London. Huge fucking ripoff. Oh, sure. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, all of the action scenes are bad. Like, the opening bit where he's, like, I don't know, in it's Egypt, Istanbul, wherever the fuck he is. And um, he's, like, they're going through that house as, like, the military raid's happening. Is one of the worst shot, like, combat scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> in a movie that cost over, like, five million dollars. It's so atrocious, and the universe building's dumb, and uh, the only good thing about this movie was that trailer that accidentally leaked, the IMAX trailer. Oh, where they right, got rid of No, then no audio, or, right? No, they got rid of the music and, like, the bigger <laughs> things, but they had, like, some of the other sound effects in. Yeah. Like, fucking What's-Her-Face, uh, Annabelle Wallace, like, being thrown out of the airplane, like, <laughs> and that's it? <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. I again. I think I can't remember if I mentioned this uh, before or during uh, we were recording. But I was thinking about watching it. But I, I again for this. But I just could not. And it's not on streaming services, so I would have to like, you know, rent it. Which no, I don't want to watch this movie again. Is it? Is it the worst movie Tom Cruise has made? Like, is it the? Is it his worst movie? Would you say? It's one of them. I would personally say, I don't know, I haven't seen this movie in a decade, but my least favorite for a while was Rock of Ages. I haven't seen that one. This one the is rare. One, uh, I think it's really fucking bad, and I don't like it. But at the same time, at least in that movie, the one spotlight is Cruz, who's playing sort of like a hair metal musician guy. And he's trying, he's putting his all into it, and he's, kind, like, he's the one kind of funny thing about it. Versus, I think this is, if nothing else, it's the worst Tom Cruise performance, I would say. Sure. Okay. Because I think it is just like a massive miscalculation about what appeals about him as a star. <laughs> yeah, I, I I saw a tweet about like the the about the mummy that was like, it, it, yeah, it's so bad. It's such a horrible movie. But I'm kind of glad that it was bad, and I'm glad that like everyone hated it because now we just get Cruz doing like 
Mission Impossible, and he's a top gun, and, you know, he just gets to do whatever he wants now. I guess a necessary evil, I would agree, right? That this had to happen, yeah. I would have hated for him to get stuck in the fucking dark universe for, like, a decade and <laughs> make, like, four more Mummy movies. Right, there was a world where, like, I think he had probably shot, like, Fallout, right, at that point? Because that was, like, 2018, so it feels like he had already had that, like, basically on the block. There's a world where Fallout was his last Mission Impossible movie, God. and that series would have gotten worse, and his career would have gotten worse yeah. if the fucking Dark Universe thing happened, and he showed up, I don't know, in a post credit scene for Bill Condon's cancelled Bride of Frankenstein movie. <laughs> oh, man. Just fucking cursed sentence there. <laughs> Well, I mean, even though, like, the best thing that that guy's ever done is Gods and Monsters. And if anything, if he was going to ever put his all into something, it would have been a Bride of Frankenstein movie based on that. It feels like what he's been kind of dreaming of doing. And then it all just fell apart. I'm sure it still would not have been good. But at the same time, if anyone was going to make that movie, Bill Condon is the person, I would argue. Yeah, but, you know, we got the mummy. And... No. That's... And, we got, and, and the really great thing is we got infinite dark universe memes out of it which is kind of the right they're still going movie. somewhat <laughs> yeah. to this to this day yeah. it still was like it's a meme that's outlasted the franchise and i think that's if nothing else that whole dark universe thing will be i think sort of like the marker when like we look back at the time after the shared universe finally dies and it's like it's the key example of like this is the worst example of trying to do it on every level <laughs> just so bad yeah yeah the mummy <laughs> <laughs> yep, so once again, to repeat our titles, I had the 2017 Alex Kurtzman-directed The Mummy to not recommend to any of you. Yes, and I had the uh, 2002 Chuck Russell-directed The Scorpion King, uh, which you should avoid at all costs, please. <laughs> yes, do so. Uh, but we're going to be wrapping up the episode here, though stay tuned. We're going to be talking about uh, some stuff that we have down the pipeline, but we wanted to thank some people. Like uh, Burial Grid for our intro music. Uh, purchase this music at burialgrid.com. Uh, thanks to Michelle Kyle for our artwork. Uh, you can find her at mishkyle96 on Twitter. Uh, that's M-I-C-H-K-Y-L-E 96. And uh, thank you to our Patreon supporters on patreon.com slash cinema number two letter, uh, where over there you get access to, you know, be able to vote for in polls for certain movies that we'll cover. And also uh, audio bonuses, including as of uh, now, this is coming out August 1st, so we would have already put out um, our Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 audio review and our Barbie Oppenheimer double feature, which we haven't recorded either of those. We haven't seen any of those yet. And uh, also our top 10 directorial debuts, which will be our big bonus podcast of July, which would have come out at this time, but we're literally about to record it, like after we're done with this. (laughs) Hey everyone, this is Thomas with a little pickup here, uh, just to add to the Patreon discussion that um, we put a few more audio reviews on the schedule uh, to talk about in August, um, since we recorded this Van Helsing episode. Um, through August, we're going to also be doing reviews of Talk to Me, which was the recently released A24 horror film, uh, which we'll be uh, putting up night review of later this week. This episode's coming out. Uh, then we'll also be doing the following week, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. And then uh, we'll be doing one last one in August for The Last Voyage of the Demeter, 
which is appropriate given that is kind of a sideways Dracula adaptation, you know, kind of fits into this episode as well. Um, so those will be the three audio reviews we'll do in August, in addition to the big bonus episode, which we'll announce in a couple episodes here uh, for August, what uh, will be at the end of the month. We'll have one big uh, August bonus podcast uh, that you'll all uh, find out about as the episodes roll along. And uh, you can also uh, find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook over at Cinema Number Two Letter, um, and then any other uh, you know social media sites I might join to try and get away from the one that's crumbling. <laughs> and you know, at these various different social media places, uh, would you recommend that you uh, you know give us a shout? Uh, this is the first episode we've recorded since the first episode of the show came out. And uh, so if you have any feedback, please share with us, and we'll definitely share it on the show. Including, I have something from. Uh, Mike, who is at Jarek on Twitter, he's been a, a loyal listener of the Double Edge Double Bill show, uh, so he was just in reference to the Jaws episode, saying, quote, uh, excellent movie and discussion to get things rolling. And thank you, Mike. We appreciate yeah, that. Thank you. And uh, you can also uh, find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as at Not the Who's Tommy. And also do some writing at marianitomas.wordpress.com and at film-cred.com. And also, you know, it's August now, so I can start promoting this. I'll be at DragonCon doing panels like I've usually been doing uh, that Labor Day weekend over in Atlanta, Georgia. We're still working out the schedule, but I know I've, um, I'm in the mix for a couple panels that have been announced, like uh, 2023 in horror for the horror track, also one about M. Night Shyamalan, and some other things. I'll have more details in the coming episodes. I'm sure I'll splice something in with my schedule at some point. But yeah, I'll be there. Come say hi. Uh, yeah, and uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd and Twitter. Uh, at my name, Brian Andrade, B-R-Y-A-N-A-N-D-R-A-D-E. Uh, my letterbox handle is the two name, my name combined with a three at the end. Uh, yeah, follow me on there and see what, you know, videos of Tom Cruise at promoting Mission Impossible. I'll be retweeting. <laughs> All of them, I'm yeah. sure. Um, and uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcasting platforms. If you're listening on Talk Film Society, you might listen to all the other great shows that are here on the network. And you can also dig into the archives and our Podbean feed uh, for the earlier episodes here, or the old Double Edge Double Bill stuff is all there. And if nothing else, if you can't, you know, support us monetarily for that $1 for the Patreon, it's cool. Money can be tight for people. But the free way to help us out is to rate, review, or simply share us all around on uh, the various internet web zones and make the uh, algorithm work in our favor so, you know, we don't uh, disappear into the darkness. <laughs> and uh, we'll just say now, our next episode, next time, we'll be talking about our M for Masterpiece, uh, which is going to be the 1988 modern classic, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Great Hell fucking yes. movie. Great we movie. We talked about this terrible movie, now we're going into our fucking... A masterpiece, a I would say. Absolute banger. Um, but that'll be next time. And until then, everybody, just remember that uh, you shouldn't live in Transylvania. No matter how low the rates are for <laughs> rent, it's just it's not a good place to live. Dragons can get you. It's a walkable city, but like <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get snatched by one of Dracula's children. <laughs> While you're getting your steps, and you're gonna be <laughs> abducted by Dracula. <laughs>